In today's episode, we talk to a Grammy award-winning musician who started a business, had some struggles, but the reason he was successful and the reason he still gets up today with a smile on his face is he made sure that he used his passion to find a mission, and that mission led to the reason that he has his business today and he's doing what he does. Check this guy out, Will McGinnis, on this episode of AMPM Podcast. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the AM PM podcast. I'm your host, Tim Jordan, and today we have on a very special guest for episode number 200. A guy that I'm not sure if anybody real in the e-commerce space has ever heard from or talked to. He, he hasn't been around the circuit speaking on stage yet, none of that stuff. But he is probably one of the most, I don't know, Will, could we say famous? Like famous <laughs> guys, like in a, in a more worldly sense that we've had on here. Name is Will McGinnis. And Will, go ahead and say hello and give a little introduction of yourself. Kind of tell people who you are. And you might not even know why you're here. Do you know why you're here? <laughs> Well, I, I dig you, and I think you're you're a pretty incredible dude. So I'm I'm here hanging with my buddy here, Tim. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't call myself all that famous, really, at all. But um, you know, I was in a Christian rock and roll band for like 25 years. We, you know, we lapped the world a few times. We won a couple Grammys and won a lot of Christian awards. Sold a lot of records, and you know, so maybe people. Will know my name from from that time, that journey of that part of my journey, you know, in my life. And I was playing bass on stage uh, for thousands of people, and uh, you know, doing that thing. So I love that. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was famous. I only won a few Grammys. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. So so you have basically hung up the guitar, so to speak, in a professional level, and uh, you're not traveling touring not doing rock and roll anymore tell us where you're spending most of your time now and then we'll kind of get into some of the meat of this content well yeah i mean a little bit of backstory while the band was traveling you know at one of our our heights of our career we we really ask ourselves some tough questions like why do we do this what are we using our platform for what kind of real good are we doing in the world and um you know we were encouraging people with our music and stuff like that and trying to put on a great show and bring some entertainment value bring some uplifting you know to people who might be down and out uh, but we thought we could do a lot more with our platform and that's really we when we got in the fight to kind of like change the world with with what we've been given and so our hearts really um were into the country of haiti it's one of the world's uh, uh most impoverished uh you know countries especially in our hemisphere here and so you know people live there you know on $2.50 US a day on average or less. And that's feeding an entire family on that. And um, and so at that point, we just said, hey, what could we do with our platform to, to do something great for Haiti? Uh, our lead singer's parents had been kind of missionaries there. They had been going there a lot and uh, helping these people. We heard these fantastic stories 
Uh, and we're like, all right, we're getting in in Haiti. We moved, you know, we went down there in 2004 and started the Hands and Feet Project. Hands and Feet Project was named after a song of ours that was very popular. Our fans got behind it. They loved it. They loved that we were about more than just making music, making money, but that we were about using our platform for something great, like helping people. So Hands and, and Feet so, was a nonprofit organization, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then when the band sort of wound down, I moved my family of five there. We lived there for a couple of years. We did the, 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 you know, time in Haiti and really got to know the people, got to know the culture, got to know, you know, kind of their plight and, and just daily activities. And then that kind of drove me to, you know, man, what, what else could I do for these people? And, and, you know, working with hands and feet, we were having these incredible students that we were transitioning out of the program and but they didn't have any opportunity they didn't have a job there's so much unemployment there and so i'm like what can we create in haiti what are they good at what's their skill set what is in their dna that we could take back to america and we could market and we could uh sell give them a marketplace if you will give them a platform and so that's when we came up with leather goods um they're really great with their hands. They're really great sewers. They're really hardworking, really creative, really entrepreneurial. You know, there's a business on any street corner and hey, they're just shucking and yep. driving and selling you anything that they can to stay alive and to survive. And, you know, they can duct tape anything together and fix it. So they're just super cool people and a great people group. Let me, let me back up. I feel like you just covered a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, sure. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, know, I know that you and I have talked about this before, you know, maybe a year or two ago, but I have a lot of respect, you know, for underdeveloped countries and you know that, you know, I've done some stuff in Central America and I've spent a lot of time in Haiti. I think the first yep. time I actually left yeah, the country that yeah, my fir the, the first time I ever got a passport is I went down to Haiti and I was doing medical clinics there in Port-au-Prince and and have a lot of love for that. And you know, I I have really dove deeply into this concept of like how do we give back? You know, is it is it we set up nonprofits and we give stuff away or is it, you know, do we ethically support ethical capitalism, right? And I believe that there's a time and place for all of that. And one thing that I have learned is that when you give something away, it's, you know, it's like goes back to the old proverb, you can give a man a fish or teach a man how to fish and he'll feed himself forever. That's one thing that I know you and I had discussed in more detail maybe a year or two back was was the orphanage. Like it seemed almost like a little bit of a temporary situation or a temporary solution because you're collecting all this money, you're getting supplies, you're setting up this great thing, and you're you're taking care of people for a specific period of time. But when they age out of the orphanage, then what? Like they're back on the street. They're back to to you know living on yep. two dollars a day, you know? And I remember you, you in fact, kind of helped, you don't know this, but kind of shaped the way that I thought about how we can use entrepreneurship and capitalism to create change and create long-term, you know, positive effects. So it sounds to me like that was kind of part of your journey was you were basically kicking these folks out of the orphanage and going, crap, now what? You know, and you couldn't just yeah. keep giving handout, but but they have something to give, something valuable, a service, a skill, their ability to be craftsmen that could support them, right? Yep. So super, super powerful stuff. As long as it's done, of course, in an ethical way, it's not done in a way that's just exploiting need, you know, because there are people in countries like Haiti that will right. work for next to nothing just out of pure desperation. And, and I am a huge, you know, opponent of that type of, you know, really greed is what it is. So 
Tell me, tell me a little bit about the journey more in depth of how you came to this realization that like the way to affect change is basically through employment, like employing them. And then also how you started thinking about how do we actually bring in money? You know, we can't just pay them for nothing, but how do we actually take this skill set and apply it to the masses, you know, here in the States? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it, it began when I lived there with my family. I saw that this incredible facility that we had built, you know, we call them children's villages. We don't really like the term orphanage, but basically for, you know, just simple terms, we created these children's villages. We were having true abandoned and true orphan children come under our care through Haiti social services. And we saw parents show up on our doorstep every day and they wanted to give us their kids. They saw this, this shiny building, this great uh, you know, facility, this care we were giving these, these orphan and abandoned students as a way or a ticket for their children that they couldn't care for anymore uh, to have a way to prosperity. And so we, we said, this is absurd. This is not why we, we came to Haiti uh, to help. We came here to help you know, and be the last resort. Uh, and so that's when we really got in the fight through job creation to uh, support and walk alongside families uh, to keep them together because Haiti has larger families and kid five, six, seven, and eight, it's just really tough for them to care for those kids and they end up underfed, they end up not in school, they end up being more like servants to the family and or giving to uh, other members of their extended family to serve them, you know, and it's just a really bad situation. So they also end up giving them to, to organizations like Hands and Feet. And that, that, so we were like, we gotta do something about this. We turned almost every part of our operations at Hands and Feet into a job creation piece. So we created, you know, management, we created uh, top, you know, CEO, CFO, and all the people under them to run the organization. We started weeding us Westerners out of the picture. And we started, you know, we needed cook staff, we needed wait staff, we needed the, the caregivers for the students. And so we just started looking at that as a way to come alongside these families and give them a job and support them. And like you said, it's not a handout because a handout just leaves them undignified, leaves them in a worse place than they were, leaves them always needy. But if you give them a job and they can go to work every day, they can make a fair living wage, they can go home and feed their family. There's so much more dignified dignity in that. They're, that's a dignified job and they can feel good about that and, uh, and do that all day long. And they're, they're wired for that. They're wired for doing, for doing stuff all day long. It's pretty cool. So. All right. So you figured out this mission, you figured out what you want to do, and you decided that you're going to start this company, Haiti Made. All right. Now, Haiti Made is a really cool company. You guys make some incredibly cool, especially leather products. You know, leather's kind of your focus. Right now, yeah. currently, how many employees do you have full time that are that are working for Haiti Made there in Haiti? It kind of ebb and flows based on our quarter and our season. But, you know, at Christmas, we might get up as high as like 85, 95. And then like we kind of settle back down probably in the 45 to 55 range throughout the year. Yeah, And so that's all different kind of walks of life. We've got students that have come from Hands and Feet Project that have transitioned out. It's kind of their first job. It fuels their dreams, gives them a chance to get their foot on their path to their life. If they're, you know, going to chase other things, it's a stepping stone. Um, we've got 
these mothers I was telling you about, it, it supports families. It locks arms with moms who want to keep their families alive and provide for them. It locks arms with the other uh, Haitian men and women who are in university and they're furthering their education. So they're working hard at Haiti May during the week, going to university on the weekend. I mean, just super hardworking and, and dedicated and driven people that this job supports. And then we just have local uh, folks from Grand Guave, the little community, rural community in Haiti we're in. And they're showing up too, and they're working hard. And, you know, we have sewers, we have people who cut the leather, who stamp it, who finish it, you know, who, who deal with the sides. And, and we create these incredible products from totes and wallets and journals, uh, keychains, all different kinds of things. And they make them, put a lot of heart and soul and prudence into them. The leather is old world, great leather. And then we bring it back here and, and sell it on HaitiMade.com. We're in boutiques. And we even can stamp a company logo, you know, yeah. into this thing and, uh, and do that kind of thing for a great story gift for a company, you know. So it's it's been fun to create that stuff and to see where they really shine and have them thrive in kind of their gifting. So one thing I know about business is it's always easy to talk about the cool stuff. And, <laughs> you know, for everything yeah. that we talk about that's cool, there is a mountain of turmoil and a heartache and, you know, headaches oh, and blood, yeah. sweat and tears in there. So, oh yeah, you were basically a rock and roll musician. You went yeah. down and you were, you know, using your audience, using your community, your platform to raise money to fund hands and feet in these children villages, and and, and that's what you're yeah. doing. You had this realization that hey, we need to ethically empower this group of people, you know, to start supporting themselves through a business, and you launched Haiti yeah. Made. Now you're telling that story, and all I can think of is. Holy cow, like you went from very little business experience to I'm going to start a business that is, you know, I've got a board of directors in the US, my family's living in the US, I'm the CEO, we've got 40 to 80 employees in this super underdeveloped country that has nightmares and problems that nobody on this podcast, unless they live in those areas, would ever understand it. That's a big step. So, so you decided to become a CEO and start this business. What were some of the most shocking issues that you had when you started this business just related to starting the business and making sure that it was self-supporting like what just smacked you in the face and you realized oh my gosh i might not make it through this project oh gosh i mean that's that's ongoing with any business you know i mean i, I think rock and roll prepared me well actually because we strapped it on our back we were hard working we got out there we did we did everything on our own we market ourselves we worked so hard and and just built that thing from the ground up. So I think when you come from a great work ethic, you know, and you, you have uh, a DNA in you that is just hardworking and goes after stuff. We're Midwest boys, man. So we just, we just do it, you know, we make it happen. And so when I came into this, yeah, if you would have did a risk assessment of Haiti, you'd have never started a business there. That's just <laughs> insane, absurd. Um, but hey, when you have the heart of helping a family and people, a people group and have the heart to seeing them uh, survive and thrive their situations and come out of them and give them a way to have a fair living wage and feed their family. And they're so community oriented too. They say one job in Haiti supports up to 10 other people. So they're, I mean, they're just giving, you know, junior his clothes and they're putting him in school. They're giving their cousin, you know, uh, you know, buying him stuff and putting him in school. I mean, they're so benevolent just in the way that they live. And so it just captures your heart. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of obstacles. There's political obstacles. There's, you know, just raw goods in, finished goods out, shipping stuff. I mean, there's just, 
you know, there's all kinds of disasters that happen in Haiti from, you know, hurricanes and earthquakes and just just overall disruptions like that. But you know what? I mean, we're just really creative. We're clever. We're we're uh, heroic at times. You know, my team down there just steps up and they deliver every time. They go to work every day, even when, you know, a lot of people aren't going to work. You know, they just love what they do and it shows. They pour it into the products and they, they just show up every day and they give it a lot of heart and soul. Like they love making that money and going home and feeding their family. I mean, it, it like you said, it's capitalism at its best. It's not a greed thing. It's just they know what it does for their life and, and what it does for their family, you know? So, but yeah, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of issues. Um, but we, we just take every punch and we roll with it. You know, that's what you do in any business. COVID right now is throwing all of us a bunch of punches. And uh, for those who are nimble and can pivot and can be creative, can just see it as another another time to rise to the occasion, man. That's It's just a target-rich environment out there, man. Just So we're making little shifts. We're trying new things. Everyone that's winning out there right now is doing the same thing. Some people were in the lucky seat and they, they hit gold. Some people are really struggling and they got to shift their model and change. Uh, these disruptions come in various forms. COVID's certainly doing that. But, you know, we just, we make it happen. And, and for for these people's sake, we have an even more driven, uh, you know, and and um, kind of passion to see them be able to make these products and sell them here in the U.S. So it's yeah. it's cool to do that and keep it going. So you started this business, and and I know you went through a lot of headaches of you know hiring the people, getting your facilities, getting equipment, all that stuff. But once you started making products, you still had to sell it. And the majority of this audience that listens to podcasts, we're e-commerce sellers, not specifically, you know, one platform, but but we have to sell stuff. And I see a lot of people that come up with a great invention, a great product. They might even have a great story behind the product, but they just have an incredibly tough time selling it. So when you first got started, how did you start selling these products? What was your main channel, your platform, your outlet yeah. for these awesome products? And what were some of the struggles that you that you had trying to get this incredible product out when no one knew to look for it? Yeah, I mean that's I think that's every new business is is you know conundrum. I I, I brought sort of an audience with me through my band days, which we definitely and hands and feet has an audience. So we certainly were tapping into people who love the mission and vision who are already supporters and they really supported the company early on just amazingly and they still do they're still the, the heartbeat and the core kind of uh, uh people behind this this work but you know yeah you got to reach out you got to find new eyes new ears to hear what you're doing and see what you're doing and so i mean man we're just i, I think i spoke to you about amazon back in the day we tried some amazon play we're on shopify so we're HaitiMade.com space. We're doing a lot of MailChimp stuff. We're doing a lot of Clavia. We're sending out a lot of emails, blasts, and stuff like that. We're going to a lot of shows. We went to some, um, you know, at the America's Mart there in Atlanta. We were showing up at those kind of shows. We're just doing street fairs, farmers markets. I mean, you name it. You, this is what you do. You scrap. You you get in there. You work hard. You try the different things. Try the different lanes, and you see what you get a hit on. Right now, we're like looking at things like comments sold or boutique hub or genopy or fair you know these online you know boutique connects and marketplaces social selling uh just to grow our reach to people on funnels into our website and stuff so it's all of that and more and uh again the grassroots isn't so important it's just getting some ambassadors out there that yeah. can really love your 
products and really uh, champion them for you to their people group, to their, their sphere of influences. So we're trying to get into some of that too, but man, it's a battle every day, you know, and I'm getting fed from people like Dave Ramsey and others and Darren Hardy and stuff. So, you know, you got to feed yourself that, you know, someone told me work harder on yourself than you do anything else. Grow yourself, keep sharpening your, your tool set so that you can pour into others and grow them. And then, then you just kind of build a team around you that fills in your weaknesses and you kind of go from there and see what, what hits and what doesn't. So it's a lot of that, Tim, you know, you, you've been there. So you and I haven't got to catch up in a while, but the last time we talked, you know, you had these, these killer products that you were selling and the Amazon thing didn't, didn't go great because even though they're incredible products, the keywords are very saturated. You know, it's still a wallet or a, you know, planner or a hat or whatever these things were. So it was just tough. And I know that at the time you were also talking about doing private label production for other brands. So you have this incredible resource of tools, labor, skill, knowledge. You've got great supply chains. And there are other brands out there that need all of those things. You know, when I first started sourcing, you know, everybody was going to China to find stuff. And because I knew the guys and I had the factory connection, I knew how to ship it. It was it was easy to start really a sourcing company. So how is that business progressing? Are you seeing an increased demand for other brands of leather goods that can utilize your capabilities to get their stuff made? Are you still doing a lot of that? Yeah, we're doing some of that. I mean, it's it's again, it's just like we're kind of operating in four lanes. You know, we've got HaitiMade.com, we've got the boutique kind of wholesale market. Um, we're kind of working with companies and stamping you know, their great logo on some of our great leather goods to give them an awesome gift for a campaign or client or whatever. And then, yeah, that other lane was this kind of private label manufacturing kind of lane. And we we work for Half United right now. We're making their bags. We have an incredible team of leather makers. So if you have an idea in leather, you know, we can probably make it and we can probably do it cheaper than you can do it in some places here in the U.S. You know what I mean? So that's an incentive for you to do that. Um, we're also making a case for Allclear. You know, they're an in-ear company up in Minneapolis, and we make their case that holds their cool in-ear. Wait, what did you say? An in-ear monitoring device? Yeah, it's kind of out of the band world. You know, oh, we used to okay. these uh, uh, monitors in our in our ears and yeah, yeah, be able yeah. to monitor. I was, it's, it's not very common for me to hear something go, what the heck is he talking about? But that was it. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to use this podcast as a shameless plug and promotion site, but I'm going to do it right now. If any of you have a product that you need made out of leather, whether you're selling on Amazon, Shopify, boutiques, whatever, if you're looking for a manufacturer and you want something extremely high quality, you know, Will's not going to be able to compete with a fake leather PU, you know, really something cheap out of, out of China. But if you want a quality product that is probably going to be cheaper than most places you'd find it elsewhere, look up Will. Find him on Facebook. Go to HaitiMade.com and fill out a form inquiry, something. But track Will down yeah. because you heard what he said. You know, they go anywhere from 40 to 80 employees. And if they could employ 120 or 150, they've got the capabilities to do that. So any of you that are looking yeah. for a leather manufacturer, especially locally, you know, it, the shipping from Haiti to the U.S. is you know, almost instant supply chain is good and, uh, and they need work down there. So that's my shameless plug that I don't think I've given on a single episode yet. You guys need to track down well, Will and check them out. You're amazing. Tim. Thank so, you so um, much. Yeah. And, and I will say this, like, you know, I've, I've got your products at my house. Like it's amazing quality stuff. And you know, I, I don't mm. just love the story and I don't just love the mission. I actually like the product. It's really, really well done, really, really well made. 
So going back to all of the lessons that you've learned in multiple ways, because you kind of get this crazy bird's eye view of entrepreneurism. Like you are the CEO of this company. You've got board of directors here. You've got to do marketing here. You've got to figure out what type of advocacy slash influencers slash marketplace stuff works here. But also you're empowering, you know, entrepreneurship in a underdeveloped country. You know, you've, yeah. you've got like the business side here, you've got to run the business there and the HR stuff, and you're mentoring and teaching all of these employees that are coming in. And a lot of times they're using you as a temporary means, you know, to learn a skill and then they're moving on and starting their own business. I'm sure they're, they're moving on to start their own thing, support their families in different ways. So when you got this like crazy bird's eye view of entrepreneurship, selling a product, what are some of the tips that you would give if you could stand on a stage, which you are right now? And explain to people, I know that one of the things that you've said before to me is that you learned very early on that a successful business needs a mission. Would you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the idea of business's mission or benevolent company, I mean, there's actually a B Corp out there in the world. You know, if you think of like a Patagonia or some of them, they're a benevolent company. Uh, it's actually a way you can register your company. Um, so it's just, it's having the real motive or the real heartbeat behind kind of why you do what you do is to have an end goal of helping a people group or to, you know, you know, you're, you're making all your products out of recycling goods like Newly. That's a great friend of mine runs Newly.com and he, he, all of his stuff is made from you know, recycled stuff and they're making beautiful stuff, saving the earth. You know, there's companies, um, you know, in Haiti that are taking the plastic that's everywhere and they're turning that into threads. The company's actually called threads. And so, you know, they, they have a way of kind of just thinking about how they're doing their business, but in the end goal, it's doing some greater purpose, some greater thing. And I just think that that's a cool model you know to marry making money and to helping someone or to doing a good for the earth or for people or for something it's just a and it's it can't be at the surface level it's got to be in your dna it can't be uh well as a side thought we you know get five cents of every water we sell you know back to something i mean it's just I think it's got to be deeper than that. And that, that's what it was for the band. We, we put our own money in, in the game and went down and bought land in Haiti. And we, you know, we started talking about that and we did that from the ground up. And so that took, uh, that had ownership. It had buy-in. It had, you know, and, and we built that, that model and we did that, you know, and then out of that Haiti made was born and it just, was that a real heart to provide a job? That's our mission, provide a dignified and sustainable job for the people of Haiti. And it really connects with people. I think especially millennials in this day and age, uh, people want to do good with kind of their job or, you know, they want to save something or they want to help someone, you know. We're seeing that all over in COVID. I mean, the stories are endless. It's a beautiful thing how we're coming together to help folks. Um, but, you know, that's kind of my thing is you just uh, you find your gifts, you find your skill set, you put your passions next to that and then you go make money and you, you give back or you do a good with that. So I know that in this journey, you've had your feet kicked out from underneath you several times. I don't even know specifics, but I know that happens because that's typical in business. You know, everybody yeah. that, that attempts to do anything, any that runs a business, you know, successfully has had failures. Anybody that has, you know, uh, an award on the wall 
also has some skeletons in their closet, things they wish they'd done differently, things that they're ashamed of, things that they're embarrassed about because they failed at something. And all of that is compounded when you're working in Haiti. The most difficult period of my life was spent in Haiti, and it was after the 2010 earthquakes. You know, and, and I think back on those times frequently, you know, when I think about how hard life is, you know, and this is frustrating and, you know, my car didn't start because the battery was dead <laughs> and like, like it, it's yeah. great perspective. And, and thereafter those, I'll, I'll just give like a brief because a lot of people forget about this. A lot of people don't realize it. Thereafter the earthquakes, I was working with the fire department and I was doing some urban search and rescue stuff. And long story short, I ended up getting to go down to Port-au-Prince like three days after the earthquake. Like the airport was shut down. We actually flew in the Dominican Republic and bought pickup trucks and filled them full of rice and beans and drove from, was it Santa Domingo there, all the way to Port-au-Prince, yep. which was insane. And I remember like crossing the border from the PR into Haiti and it looked like, you know, something you'd see on a National Geographic show at, at the border of like Somalia or something, like all these refugees, you know, lined up and we're going the opposite direction. And I ended up working at a field hospital there at the airport. You know, all these militaries came in and set up camps and on the grounds at the airport there. And I was at this field hospital at the University of Miami, and I was working in an area where we were x-raying people that were coming in. Because Haiti is not a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a stable land, like physically. Like, there's no vegetation on everything. You know, mudslides are and everything is built basically without codes. You know, people in Port-au-Prince yeah. are in these three and four story just shamble concrete buildings that any little bit of shaking and everything collapses. So there were, like, I don't know if we ever heard like an actual death toll from that earthquake because there's no way to know, you know, but it was tens of thousands probably, right? You probably have a better idea than I do. Uh, it, it was over 300,000 actually. Oh, three, that's what oh they, my that's gosh. 300,000. Yeah. About 40 seconds, yeah. In 40 seconds. And I'm working at this hospital and I remember watching like two weeks after the earthquake, people are finally walking into this hospital. They've been walking for two weeks in desperation. And like, I remember, like, I'll never forget, like seeing a dad who's probably 35 and he's got like a four or five-year-old kid and this four or five-year-old kid's leg is just shattered, you know, like where this concrete's falling on him and I'm going to start crying thinking about it. And like that leg is just dangling, like there's no bone structure. And the kid has been in so much pain and trauma being carried around by his father for two weeks, starving, looking for someone to help. The kid's not even crying anymore. The kid is just staring into space, you know, like, yeah. and, and, you know, thousands and thousands of those situations happen. Like it, it was awful. Like the, the, I kid you not, the, the saddest time of my life. Yeah. And that like, to me was a profound thing because that was so different than what I grew up in and, and what I see day to day right now, you know, like this just, exceptionally horrible situation and unfortunately that i won't say that earthquake but that type of pain suffering trauma hopelessness is like every day in haiti you know it's it's yeah. every day to some extent like literally children are starving and the parents can't do anything about it i work closely with is an orphanage in north of port-au-prince and you know i've talked about this my really good friend roberta edwards who worked there as a missionary for like 15 years was gunned down in a gas station parking lot because she wouldn't give you know food to these gang members and like i remember going to her house and working with those kids and my wedding invitation was on a magnet you know stuck to her refrigerator you know like that's how close we were and one day uh -huh. it was just gone you know just out of just out of hate and and that kind of thing happens every single day so 
going back to like every business person has these struggles, has these trials, has these times when life is hard, when business is hard, when times are hard. I know because of the nature of Haiti that you have experienced that probably more than most any business owner or aspiring entrepreneur that's listening to this podcast. I know that. You've never told me that. We've never talked about it. But I know that you see some incredibly tough things and you have to overcome that. So what I would ask you is because you've obviously are learning to master that, what makes you get up out of bed every morning and keep doing this incredibly difficult thing you're doing, not just running a business, but running this business that's operating in multiple countries. When you're watching this heartache and sorrow and you're seeing employees go through the stuff and you just can't help enough, like, like you're helping 80 employees. Sometimes you've got this village, you know, that you're in the midst of that children are starving because they can't eat. Like, how do you stay positive? How do you stay energetic? How do you not get so depressed and discouraged that you just quit? Oh man, I mean, there's so much in that. All you just said. First of all, you're Hit a hero. Hit us with it, man. Just start and, talking. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that you went and and, and were, you're a hero. You were so heroic. You went and served during that time. That was one of the most crazy times in Haiti ever. I mean, and you saw you were on the front lines. You saw you saw all the worst of the worst. And I I, I know you got to have some some strong feelings. I could hear it in you uh, from that, and you will always carry those. Um, but you were, you were helping and you did a great thing by doing that. Um, I mean, we're not, we're, we're as close to kind of living in Haiti as we could ever be in COVID right now, uh, here in America, we have it so good. We are so blessed. I mean, I think for me, when my kids were five, seven and nine and I, you know, the band was doing this work in Haiti, I was like, I've got to get them out of America and show them what the rest of the world lives like. And so we, we started going down there every summer and that's what hooked us. You know, my kids got to see how almost 90% of the rest of the world lives. They don't have running water. They don't have a working toilet. They have a one room building that almost up to 12 people usually live in. And they go to market every couple of days. It's not a have a fridge and pack your fridge and have weeks of food. It's every couple of days, you got to go get food every day. You got to go get water. You know, you clean your laundry out in the river and you lay it out on rocks. That's Haiti. Um, and so, and I don't know, there's just something about these people. I mean, Mother Teresa said, it's not about what you do for the poor. It's about what the poor do for you. I mean, it, they wrecked me. They, I went down there and they opened my eyes. I, I saw so much more clearly about materialism, about stuff, about money, about how meaningless it is in a chasing after the wind. So. They, you, I learned so much more from them than I could ever do for, for, you know, from them than I could ever do for them. And so I think once you just kind of get out of your comfort zones and get out of your conveniences and kind of go see something like that, it just moves you. It changes you. And, um, you know, that they, they, I'm not taking anything special to them. It's all there already. I mean, they're already an incredible people group. They're already hardworking. They're already entrepreneurial. I'm just giving them a place to show that off or to to sell that or to, you know, to, to tell their story. I mean, and that's really what I am. I feel like I'm a storyteller. I feel like I'm someone who just had, you know, I'm positive because it's just the way I've been made. You know, I'm a seven on the ideogram, if you will. I'm the adventurer. I'm the, you know, enthusiast. I'm the encourager. I just want to see people live in their sweet spot, you know, whatever that is. It's, if it's, uh, you know, they don't have a marketplace, they need one. If they, you know, are down and they need some building up, you build them up. If they need to know what they're all about, why they're on the planet, you, you 
try to help them find that so they can get out there. Someone, everyone's got something they're going to contribute in this life. And the ones who don't understand that is just breaks my heart because they, they, they have so much to bring to the table. And so, you know, that's what we're doing. You know, we're going to hang in the fight. We're going to keep it going. We've had some beautiful people that have helped Haiti made. It's still help Haiti made and uh, who are out there buying the stuff and telling the story, but it's all for these people in Haiti. And uh, yeah, we run it like a business. We do X's and O's. We don't cheapen the product. We make it unbelievably awesome. So it stands on its own. And then the story is just an extra bonus on the top. And, um, you know, we run our business right. We have to make smart decisions. We have to rate, you know, make the right marketing calls. We have to spend the money wisely. And, you know, we have to, you know, make money before we spend it. So we do all these things and we try to operate right. So, that's so, what we're doing. so at first I thought you were not answering my question. Then I realized you were inadvertently. You know, the question was, you know, <laughs> when you're dealing with normal business struggles, plus the added drama and the added difficulty of working in Haiti, who is that, that is just such a difficult place to be, you know, how do you get up in the morning and how do you continue and how do you stay energetic? And it sounds like, based on your answer, it's because you found that passion because you believe so strongly in this, because you know that what yep. you're doing makes a difference. And you know that what you're yep. doing not just helps the artisans and not just helps the producers, but because you're passionate about the product too. You know, you said you're not just operating this business based on the story or because you have these influencers and want to support what you're doing. Like the product stands on its own. So yeah. I couldn't agree more when you decide that you want to get into business, you want to grow your business, you want to operate business. Like you have to understand that times are going to suck and things are going to be hard and you are going to be disappointed yep. and discouraged and people are going to kick you in the face and fate is going to happen. You know, my business Hickory Flats got, you know, pretty much all the revenue stripped out from anything with COVID. You know, I've talked to other people like, you know, we couldn't see these things coming. Think about all the restaurants, the movie theaters, the travel agencies. Think about you know, all of this stuff that literally is just you wake up and it's gone. Like you can't do anything about it. But what I'm getting from you is the way that you handle that is by prepping yourself, you know, when you start this business, by building it on a foundation of good quality, whether it's the people, the mission, the stories, and the products. And when you have a strong base like that and you're doing this for the right for the right reasons and you're you know, crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's and you're setting up a product and a system and a story that's worth doing, then it helps you get over that stuff. When you've got an incredible product that fits a demand or when you've got an incredible product that serves a need or you've got something that's innovative or something that is unique, it makes it easier to get over those struggles because you're not just going to get washed down the drain like everybody else that's doing it halfway, right? Would you say that's a good statement? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean that—that's that, any business. Any business needs to operate that way. I think. I think you got to have a, a killer service or a killer product, and it's got to have function. It's got to have some beauty to it. It's got to have some uh, some great need it fills, you know, for someone in their life. And um, and then this good it does is just—it's the great thing, the extra thing that is happening in the transaction. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, COVID has wiped out a lot of people. Um, but those who can uh, kind of keep their head up and can just see it as an opportunity to rise the occasion in some other way or ship. I've got a friend who um, is in a mastermind group with Dave Ramsey with me. They, they were doing one thing and in COVID uh, the demand for yard signs 
came up, you know, when people couldn't go to graduation, when they couldn't do X, Y, or Z like they normally do. Lawn art has become like massive, like creating these signs that say happy birthday or happy graduation or, you know, hang in there or whatever. I mean, they're selling like crazy, you know, so she, you know, they created this, you know, we're going to start making lawn signs and they're, they're going crazy. That's so, awesome. you know, it's, you just got to be creative. Uh, it's just another time to be a problem solver. You know, it's not a, a time to put your head in the sand and to get all depressed and to be like, whoa, what just happened to me? I think when you start to feel down about yourself, just take your eyes and look on someone else who might have it worth and, and have the heart to serve someone or have the heart to do to try to help someone, it gets, first of all, it gets your eyes off your own situation. And then you also see that other people probably have it worse than you do. You also see that you've, you're very blessed. You have a lot of things that you could say are a positive in your life. And then from there you build and you get creative, you dig in, you, you just put that thing on your back and you go to work, you know, and, yeah. and you come out of it, you know, and you win, you know, that's just the American spirit right there, man. We take a punch and we, we get back up and we do it, you know? That's awesome. We're running out of time. We need to wrap up, but I want to, I want to say it again. Those of you that are interested in how Will and his team have used the story of Haiti made and used the story of uh, the producers to market their products and, and to get an edge on their competition, go to HaitiMade.com, H-A-I-T-I-M-A-D-E.com. Check out what they're doing there. Also track down Will. If you have anything that you need to have produced and you think Haiti may be a good place to have that done track him down. Uh, you can find him on social. You can find him at HaitiMade.com and uh, fill out some sort of contact form there, I'm sure. Track him down. I know they'd love yep. to be doing more work and they are completely capable of doing custom work. If you have a prototype, a design, or you want to talk to them about an idea, Will can definitely get you taken care of. So, Will, is there any other last words of wisdom, anything short that you can let us end on a bang with here at episode 200? Oh, man. I don't know. I think I might be tapped out here and you're, you're an incredible... <laughs> question asker you put some tough ones on me there but thank you so much for the opportunity and another another place to get the story out there to and thank you for being a mouthpiece and and uh, doing what you do and just everyone hang in there and keep going yeah our, our hearts go out to you um we know you're struggling but just keep going all right thank you will for being on it's been incredible over the past couple of years to watch what you're doing even though you know we don't communicate that often i'm kind of lurking in the background and checking out and i appreciate everything that you're doing for a country that i love for people that i love and and being on here to educate other people about finding their passion you know to help help them with their business give them some ideas you've talked about all sorts of stuff you've talked about marketing you've talked about influencers you've talked about pivoting mostly i think the the important thing you've talked about today is finding a mission because you know if we have a responsibility as entrepreneurs to start a business and that business will be more successful we will be more successful when we do things for the right reasons we have a mission so thank you all for listening again we'll catch you on the next episode of ampm podcast